0: It's like magic. It's the key to everything.
1: You're right. You're right. I did meet that one sage. I was like, what is the key to everything? He said, magic. <laughs> Give me another vodka. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Yeah. How you like those sound effects? That's my Foley guy. Give me another fart. Thanks, Terry. Too many cool small businesses fail and we're here to discuss what makes the difference between those founders who fizzle out and those who buzz crackle and (coughs) fizzle with creativity impact potential and purpose your hosts are corbett barr he's the smart one caleb logic he's the the deep one and me chase reeves i'm the uh, sort of dancing monkey in the corner that they let out every now and again after not feeding him for a few weeks we also have a special guest on this show, which is kind of fun. And listen, in this conversation today, we share what we've learned about how customer service and the deeper like philosophy we can all have about customers in general can li- can literally revolutionize the way we build our business. I think you're going to like it. It's a it's a discussion in addition to the interview that we heard last week in episode 66. Uh, with Mark from Canless. If you haven't heard that one, you should probably stop this and go to that one because we keep talking more about that interview and it it provides a lot of context for this conversation. All right, let's get into it. One,
2: two, three. F***! Okay, got it. Uh... Like Should we said, just start off the episode with that? <laughs> like, you push play, it's just you yelling. You have to count, though. It has to be one, two, three. <laughs>
1: Fuck. Clap. Fuck. Okay. So we're back uh, talking about customer support. I'm excited about this because uh, we have on the show with us the fourth member of the team, Barrett Brooks, who has been holding down the fort uh, of the Fizzle Forums, the Fizzle Forum fort. He's. he's uh, he's one of the better fort makers we've interviewed actually we had all the finalists come into town and it was a basically this is how we hire people is we have a big fort making competition and barrett just he just worked there was double there was two tiers do you remember that corbett and he had like the rope swing yeah
3: you're leaving out an important part though it's uh, it's, the forts are made uh of humans they're live
1: yeah they're they're, live. it's a bunch of fizzlers yeah, yeah exactly they're live humans i mean they're not, not bodies no. what is this it's not like come on those wouldn't don't be, be crazy. rigid
3: enough unless yeah, yeah i don't
1: know no they would yeah Maybe. They, well they there actually is Ritter a lot Mortis. of give uh it, it sets in yeah. it does so uh now that we've uh, accomplished the dark part of the episode we will climb out and into the light barrett say hi to the audience
0: hi to the audience it's like i'm a real boy now i've made it onto the show it is. It is like you're a real like you're a real boy.
1: And if you uh, if, if you uh, listener if you haven't listened to the previous episode before this number sixty six, um, we started this conversation about customer support with an interview uh, with a guy that runs one of one of the world's best restaurants. They they always kind of place for you know whatever. I don't. I think it's all. I think it'd be silly to try to find like the best restaurant in the world. Like I could say. I like I how a, Corbett
2: said it. It's the fanciest restaurant.
1: <laughs> it's, i, I it's think like, mark said that himself right you were
2: asking yeah. like yeah. what kind of
3: cuisine it is he's like it's fancy
2: it's he's like it's <laughs> fancy yeah. like fancy feast
1: yeah fancy fe- <laughs> it's like a fancy feast for your felines um so what i want to do is i want to kind of take that conversation and make it our own in this one talk about what we've learned barrett you've been spending the last several months uh doing deep rich uh a lot of rich uh bits in in Fizzle getting into the community, seeing like how do we how do we help people actually accomplish their goals in their business because that's that's uh, you know when we think about if I was a restaurateur if I was Mark I look at my restaurant I say like I don't make food what I do is I provide a place for people to have like experiences that change their life I I provide an experience like if you are going to have the last dinner on earth with your mom and your four sisters and this is going to be the last dinner your mom has with all of you together. I want to create the. I want to create the place where it would fit to have that experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in some ways, that's why. That, so that's how he looks at his at the goal. At the at, is like people coming in here matter, and they need this night to matter, and they need this dinner to matter. Um, so. With us, it's like people coming into Fizzle, they matter, and they need to find out how to do this you know, self-employment thing. They need to figure out who the hell they are and what they're here for and how to speak with their own voice, how to be engaged by the things that they could do for a living so that they don't hate their life nonstop.
3: Yeah, and not to say that your stakes have to be that high, like whatever your business is, that it doesn't have to be the greatest place ever for a certain kind of event or whatever, but you have to define those stakes. You have to figure out why are people... Yeah coming here and what experience do you want them to have like starbucks for example um not necessarily our our favorite cup of coffee but they've obviously built an impressive business and they had this concept of third place so they wanted to be the place between work and home that you felt most comfortable and that you spent the most time so that was sort of the way that they set the the table stakes and obviously that's different from canless yeah Um, but it worked for them you know so that so that's
1: the question like what are the stakes what experience do you want people to have? And for me, one of the biggest things that uh, that I've learned, and and if you've listened to this show, if you've seen any of our speakings live, if you've taken any of our fizzle courses, this is going to be no surprise to you. But because I'm sort of a one trick pony on this one thing, but uh, once I actually see the 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 single person on the other side of the monitor, once I actually get their story and what they're trying to achieve, and that the fact and the fact that they're in it, that they're not idiots. That they're not like sort of chauvinistic or, or weak willed or, or all this other stuff that they're brave and that there's something that they need to try to get to and they, they can do it, but they have to have the right tools to get there. Once I find that one person that I believe in, that, that changes everything about every design I've ever done about the copywriting and all the other stuff that we end up doing. It changes the product that we make itself. And I think that there is the beginning. Of, cu- uh, of I guess I guess customer service uh, and and so maybe we should we should define this up front like because I think customer service could easily be interpreted as support right and maybe and I don't maybe, I don't think we mean it the same way And maybe
3: a good way into this would be um, to have Barrett introduce why we brought him on the team because I, I think a lot of people were kind of surprised like you're adding a person to the team this person is is doing what their member success. Yeah. And and why why is that your fourth hire? You know, people are just curious about that. And so I'd love to maybe hear from Barrett. Um why do you think we added you specifically in this role as Director of Member Success to the team as early as we did?
0: I think it goes back to the whole philosophy behind Fizzle. I mean, you could have hired course developers or coders or anyone that could have helped build different aspects of the business, but I think what this role represents is a commitment to our customer base and the heart behind what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, unless we have people who are successful customers, fizzle doesn't matter. We can create the best courses in the world with the most sexy HD video, but if they don't help people build something they care about, then we're failing at what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that's what my job is, is to try and help us get closer to helping people reach their goals in their
2: businesses.
1: Mm,
2: Listen to that. How do you like that? How do you like them Sounds like you've said it before. (laughs) It gets (laughs) gets me a lot. hot and bothered to hear him say it. (laughs)
3: And we're going to talk about customer support and um, hospitality and all that kind of stuff. But in that, I feel like we wrapped that around this concept of member success. Because really, that's what we're supporting them in in accomplishing, right? Is is being successful in, in whatever it is that we help them do, which in Fizzle's case is to build a, a business that they can live off of, or you know, put food yeah. on the table with.
1: Yeah, you know, Joel Spolsky, uh, the 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 coder, software guru guy, uh, tell he had some post about customer support. I read, and one story I remember from uh, if from it is whenever he orders sort of logo shirts for his company or something like that for an event, he always uses Land's End because one time uh, he got the shirts back early on from when he was ordering with them and the logo, like the the color of the thread just really didn't work with the color of the shirt and it was almost impossible to read. And he called them up and he's like, oh my God, this is... The, this." i I made a mistake or something i don't know this isn't going to work and uh they're like well send them back and and we'll go ahead and eat the cost and and send you send you new ones and he's like well the events in two days and so what they did was they just ate all the costs fedexed them a box the next day and uh so for the rest of his life he's telling people that story on why he uses land zen and i think it's it's really trite and kind of cute we always say that like you know, it's always a we always go back to that. Like, well, if you if you if you solve someone's problem in a good way, they're going to keep talking to their friends about you, and that's the real reason why you do that stuff. You know, and th- it is it's good to w- w- I think it is a, a a principle that'll work. Is people will talk about you a hell of a lot more if you end up solving their problems than if if you don't, at least in a positive light. Uh, but even more than that, I think business like Land's end, uh who has that in their DNA is just going to approach every decision differently. And I think that is that is the multiplier of this idea of customer service. Or I guess I almost want to change it to like being like customer-centric, like insanely focused on who the customers are and what they need and how to get them to it. And I feel like with us, Barrett, I want to get into your experience a little bit because it, I still very much feel like we... I still don't exactly know what Fizzle is. I know uh, vaguely like who it's for, and and there's a lot of stories in my head about what those people are kind are trying to accomplish, you know. And I think that is almost a better description of what Fizzle is than the constructs and, for, and scaffolding for it that I create in my head. So maybe we could get into this, Barrett. What have you, um, what have you been experiencing as you've I- in this role of member success specialist?
0: Oh, man, so much. Uh, I feel like it's been a crash course in, in what it is that we do and in what it is that people come to us for. But more than anything, I, lo- I look at it like storytelling. And it's listening to other people's stories and hearing their emotions and seeing that their dad just died or their dog is sick or they're on vacation this week. And that's why they're not at Fizzle. You know, it's their life wrapped up in their business. And they come to us and they share all of that in our community. And so for them, it's about so much more than learning. Uh, It's about so much more than the podcast. It's about having a virtual water cooler and a group of friends and a support network that enables them to reach their goals and gives them the courage to keep going and not quit and seek out this dream they have in their head. And that's, I think, been the learning process over these first few months.
1: So but what about the fact that like that some people are going to fail?
0: Maybe, uh, you know, I think we had part of this conversation when we were at WDS a couple weeks ago and it's all about how do you define failure? Uh, maybe you launch a product and you hear crickets, like we like to say, um, that doesn't mean you failed. It means you have a learning opportunity and the next time you launch a product might be the time you make a full-time income from your business for the first time ever, and so, I think a lot of it is about how do we create an environment where it's okay to fail temporarily, so that you can succeed in the long run.
1: Mm. Yeah, I guess I, I, I myself sometimes struggle, struggle with that. But and it's just the truth, though. Like, how many things have I tried that I be, that became failures for me that were in my the way I interpret my history? It's like, no, no, that was I needed to do that because that's what that's how I met this person and went off that way in a different direction. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think,
3: um, you know, we, I don't know that we've fully defined what success is for us, but I think there are different levels. And obviously, the level that we're aiming for is to help people build, uh, you know, some sort of independent way to earn a living doing something that they're proud of. But yeah. um, I feel like if someone is a member of Fizzle and they walk away not with a successful business, but they walk away with something that's changed within them in terms of how they view the world. How they feel empowered to um, to make their own rules to a certain degree, yeah, and and maybe it's just the first step in a, a series of really long steps. And they didn't succeed today, but you know, maybe ten years from now or three years from now or whatever, um, they get the courage, as Barrett was saying again, to try again. Um, I think as long as we've changed that mindset, at least that's that's some measure of success for us.
1: Yeah, totally. So I want to switch gears here. Um, or get into the next next bit. I found this quote from Seth Godin that I, I think could get us into the next sort of bit for me. He says, Zappos is a classic customer service company, and their customer is the person who buys the shoes. But Nike, on the other hand, doesn't care very much at all about the people who buy the shoes, or even the retailers. They care about the athletes, often famous, that wear the shoes, sometimes for money. And they name buildings after these athletes. They court them. They erect statues. Columbia Records has no idea who buys their music and never has. On the other hand, they understand that their customer is the musician. And they have an entire department devoted to keeping that customer happy. Their other customer was the program director at the radio station. But we know where that's going. Dot, dot, dot. Um what I like uh, what's interesting about this is and i don't I don't know if I agree with him that Nike doesn't care about the people who buy their shoes but the point still stands that like if you build a like there are these different customers you can focus on or different I guess I don't want to call them customers different uh <laughs> it depends it matters who you make your customer yeah you know like Nike could really be a completely different shoe company, if they didn't focus on the world's elite athletes and make quality products at that level, that then they're just hoping trickles down into the desire of the masses, right? And it clearly does. And, um,
3: yeah, and I and what does that statement say, you know, that that Seth
1: is trying to make there? What does that say about Zappos versus Nike? Yeah, it, does, and it and the best part is all of these are successful companies. Every one of them are massive successes. So it's there's not a right way to do it. Mm-hmm. There's not a right way to do it. So the question for you is, who are you, who is your customer, right? So, and we all immediately go to our buyer, but I, I just, what I love about the the exercises that that we'll go through from time to time, that I'll do with, with a designer or something like that, is it gets me out of, like it, it shows me that I have all of these preconceived notions about who my customer is, and all of these bland, blase assumptions that I'm making that I don't even know I'm making, right? That uh, once I get out of my own skin and do a little, it takes like some exercise to get into their skin and see the world through their eyes and empathize for one goddamn second, quit thinking about my own life and get into someone else's and, and realize the things about them that they wish people would realize about them. That's when everything becomes like Technicolor for me, and there, and I and it matters, and it matters, and that's why I have to do good work. Um, and this goes back to me, such a simple, simple. I guess I, it's like it. What I love about hearing Mark's interview and about when 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 new uh, businesses get really sassy about about how they do their business uh, in a human focused, customer obsessed kind of way. Um, it kind of rem- it just reminds me of my grandpa Dick dick i'll just call him dick i don't even have to say his full name It's grandpa dick right uh grandpa dick's the guy that <laughs> um grandpa dick guy. Is this a real person this is my real grandpa <laughs> he's the best um i got married in medicine hat alberta canada and all the canadians right now are just going what <laughs> uh i had a uh it was the it was hilarious, but uh, we're all, all the whole family, everybody, and all, all the families are staying in this in a in a hotel that has a water slide in the middle of it. <laughs> this is where everybody's staying for my wedding um, ten almost ten years ago. So after the wedding, uh, w- you know Melissa and I, we go to wherever we go to do the things that married people go and do. For me, for the first time, by the way, uh, that's sort of silliness. <laughs> but this is the story that I get told to but me. But it explains uh, a lot. The next head tells <laughs> totally explains a lot. This is the story that gets told to me. Um my brother and a few friends are down in the pool, uh sort of that's like at the bottom of all the all the hotel rooms, right? So like it, like you got to keep it quiet. It's 12 at night and uh they just got back from the wedding and and whatever. Uh, they should try. are trying to keep it quiet, but it's <laughs> it's not very quiet. And then they hear this voice from way up up on some room, going like, "Hey, who's down there?" And I and Chris goes, "My brother, I think that's my grandpa." Guys, hey, grandpa, it's us. Sorry, we'll keep it down. And they don't hear anything else. Well, about four minutes later, grandpa comes down in his robe, okay, and he has a glass, and I a glass of of ice, okay. He's got a glass with just ice in it. And this big thing, it almost looks like a rug, underneath his other arm. And he walks out to the spa where they are, in his fucking robe, in his robe, and he, he flips out this robe, or sorry, the, not the robe, the, uh, the thing under his arm, it is the, uh, the rug that was in the elevator that says the medicine hat lodge he had rolled it up like got in the elevator rolled it up put it under his arm came out perfectly flipped it out so that it says medicine hat lodge and he says did you guys forget where you are and he starts walking over it and says what are we drinking and grandpa, chris goes grandpa all we have is beer he throws the ice out and he says good i brought a chilled glass <laughs> like this guy is larger than life to me the stories that are told about him, uh, the way that they would throw a party and, and they would rent a house in Tahoe and throw a party and they would bring snow all the way through the house and you'd see this old 35 millimeter footage of, of this cocktail party and someone would go flying by in the background on a sled. Like flying by. And I'm like, this is what life should look like. And there's this customer, there's this there's this <laughs> Yeah, people, so, so how did we get on this again? <laughs> there's this people focus that that guy had this this kind of like focus on like well people wouldn't want to do that they'd want to do this (laughs) that he has that 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 bob goff sort of had and and it was so striking to me that uh that just gets me gets my juices flowing because it's like yeah this could really be like even if you're a sign painter or like a barista or whatever this is this could really be just one of those moments where you make someone feel like they're like, well, and like that's they're the, that's, truly good. That's the trick when you get to know someone like that. Um, another
3: one is uh, I got to meet the Zagats once, Tim Zagat and oh, yeah. uh, his wife. Yeah, from and, the
1: they, they review restaurants where they have a number system for the restaurants. Exactly,
3: right? yeah. Google bought them uh, a couple of years ago. But um, anyway, he, he's the kind of personality. You meet him and for a minute, you feel like you're the only person in the world when you're talking to this person. Um, because they make every moment special, and they make every interaction yeah. feel special and um, and it's It puts you in awe when you meet somebody like that. but the challenge for us is when we have thousands of members and there are four of us or you know or whatever however many there are of us we 're always going to be outnumbered to a, a large degree in a restaurant tour same thing, although the odds are a little better there because you 've got yeah. ninety five people in a restaurant and fifteen people or twenty people working there or whatever mm-hmm. um, but the challenge for us is how do we make each moment special when we have this like just fleeting time with each person and we have to get on to the next message or the next, you know, email response or the next um, the next question during uh, podcast or office hours or whatever it is. How do we make each moment
1: special and each moment count? Well, you know what that makes me think of like we're thinking of these, you know, these crazy personalities that are really striking. It makes me think of that that battered bastards of baseball movie, which I watched and you did as well corbett Mm -hmm. right yeah and caleb and barrett have you guys seen that one no not yet. required watching required it's like mandatory fizzle watching uh because it's probably it's it's ridiculous like my my friends all you should watch it it's kind of cool and it's like a documentary about some minor league baseball team i'm like not interested i don't even care it became my favorite documentary i've ever seen and 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 like the best like picture of how i want to live my life ever Uh, mostly because of the cigars and and scotch (laughs) totally but no but like because of the way uh i won't give away this stuff but because of the way the guy bing is about baseball because he understands what it is because he loves it so much he creates an organization that 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 is soaked in that Mm -hmm. right so what how do we make we don't it's not that we have to make every moment special it's that we have to know what what is special about the moments that become special it's that we know what we're here for and that we know what matters about this thing we're all trying to do when we're it's like we can be just trying to put food on the plate for people or we could be trying to create an incredible experience for these two people who haven't been together for five years to reunite we could you know it's like the when you get into the specifics of their story it becomes very interesting to say oh you'll have ideas but if you say like oh like, we go back, we go back to the, the Paul Graham point on do things that don't scale. And of course, we are outnumbered, uh, and that only works for a certain amount of time is is the old adage. But, you know, the building in a discipline of unscalability, land's end, unscalable it w- is, is them sending them an overnight box of all brand new shirts, right? That is unscalable. But what it does is... If it if it does keep customer loyalty at a point where where you're always in business and thriving, then maybe that isn't so unscalable.
3: Well, and I, I wonder, you know? I wonder in that case and, and in our case, um, if Lands End has a policy that says if a customer who ordered X number of shirts calls and says that the stitching on the shirt is the wrong color, and they have something coming up in two days, then here's what you need to do, which I, I kind of doubt. No, um, yeah, totally. If they don't have that, right? right. It's or, just
1: someone going on like, "Hey, well, this is what the company has authorized me to do in situations similar to this." Exactly.
3: So like that. so what does that mean? So what is the policy that led that customer support person or team to to handle that transaction in that way? You know, is it yeah. just do they just say do what it takes to make the customer happy? And and what does that mean for a company like ours? Because as Barrett has come on, we've thought a lot about individual tactics. That we should implement um, that hopefully make the overall experience really great. For example, and and Barrett can talk about these. Um, just the w- the the time in which we respond in the forums um, and the way we handle things. But then I also wonder what's the top down strategy, the philosophy, the way that we see each interaction with our customers, and how does that influence the things that are off script? You know, when you're interacting with somebody and something comes up that you've never handled before. Um, how, how do you know how to act? And I guess that's a, that's a good question for, um, for all of us, but for Barrett especially.
0: Well, and I think it goes back to, you know, what's the ethos behind what you're doing? What's the belief system that drives how you treat people? And I think a perfect example recently is Corbett, you and I, uh, briefly chatted over email about this interaction I had, uh, By email with the customer, and they said, Hey, listen, I'm reloading my card that I pay for Fizzle with, but I can't do it until the 15th when I get my next paycheck. And that was 10 days after their usual bill date. And there's a lot of things you can do in that situation. You could cancel them for 10 days and let them come back once they can pay. You can ask them to change their card so that they can pay on time. But what I chose to do without asking anything was, Hey, we'll start billing you 10 days later than normal. That loses us, whatever, five bucks of what we bill every month once. But it makes you extremely happy as a customer because now you don't have to worry about not paying. You don't have to worry about losing access to your account. And it's just not a big deal. And for me, that was just an embodiment of what you three have already built. That's how we treat people, and that's what we do. And it was just the right thing in that moment. And you can't write a rule for that, right?
1: Yeah. And I'm so dumb about so much stuff, but for me, that – it all comes back to that word matter i guess not not as in matter and not matter like is in this matters the the journey that you're on matters you you have a quest and and you are in the ride of your life everybody you meet there's this little lettering like poster that i saw somewhere that i really loved it said uh be kind for everyone that you meet is in the fight of their life and it's just so true and if you could just st- steep yourself in that if you could go through the pain and the heartbreak to the point where you have empathy for people it will make you so 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 insightful about how to build the delight into your product and i think delight is what is what keeps people in business i mean it's like there's people who can like yeah you know, there there's utilitarian needs that we need ah oh, I need a shovel and then there's and then there's like oh my God, this is the best damn shovel I've, I've ever used in my life you know, and I would love to be in the latter camp instead of the former I would love to I think that's what makes it so fun to be in business is when you get to delight people and and, and see how much what the tools you make are helping them on their journey their journey that matters and so it's just for me. The, it was just it was it 's been an eight year uh you know sequence of designing sites where i've i 've come to learn that because in design there 's this concept of of customer centric design right or user centered design Uh, and this is, that's where it all started for me. It's like, oh, there's all the things that I think look cool, but then there's like how the person will actually use the page. And maybe the, most of the people who are using this thing are different than me. And I have to now figure out who that is. And that's where it started for me. But it now it's, it's completely infiltrated everything. And you see it going all going like in the old Paul Graham essays about what you do as a business. If you want to be successful as a startup is you solve somebody's problem. That's what you do. And that's just being obsessive about who the customer is and what their pain is and how to delight them. And it just seems so brutally simple. And you could do it about anything. You could do it about TV repair or wall painting or carpet shit. I don't know what. You could do it about anything, right? Yeah. And a- and none of us bring that kind of that kind of dynamic that, that dynamism to our business. And if you did, You'd be on an interview just like Mark was, and there'd be podcasts where people are discussing how brilliant the things you were saying about your restaurant were. It's, you know, Just because you, you, you looked at people, wonder, and you're like, well, I wanted it to be this way.
3: I wonder if there's a bit of a chicken and the egg problem here for very small businesses, though, because yeah. as, as Caleb will attest, um, when we were just a two-person team a few years ago, we spent a lot of time responding to emails from people, um, especially when we made ourselves a little bit more accessible, I think, um, Mm -hmm. publicly you know, to our blog readers. And you want everyone to have that moment with you. You want to be able to spend five minutes reading an email and responding to it and giving someone that special experience. But when you're one person or two people on a team, it's really easy to get sucked up doing just that all day long and then to wonder how does this eventually pay off for me? How do I put food on the table when I'm doing all this work for free every day? Um, And so maybe there's a difference between the philosophy that you have or the place that you want to get versus the place that you need to start out at. Mm. Um, And I don't know. Or, Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe if we had gone all in and we had really focused just on customer service then, or the the customer experience, then the business ends up taking off much quicker. Um, And I don't know. I don't know how Canlis started, you know, if that was their philosophy early on or they waited until they at least were able to make payroll and then they're like, okay, now let's start investing in this more. Sort of like we're doing now with Fizzle and and bringing on.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, But it also, like, the idea of starting or trying to get big can be in direct uh, conflict with doing things well, right? It typically is. You can do something. You can do something and get it really big, or do it well, or do it quickly. Pick two. <laughs> you know, you know right. what I mean? Um, and so, in some ways, like if you're just a small restaurant and you're just trying to pay the bills, you're better set up for success than I'm doing an internet tech startup where I'm a blogger talking about these sorts of things, and I'm comparing myself to like blogs that have billions of page views. You know, because I know that those numbers exist, and now I'm like, oh, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. Whereas if you could get yourself in a position where, like, no, this is like, this is not even a, this isn't even a restaurant. This is a food cart. This is a food truck, right? And then it's like, okay, so all I need to do is like, I mean, is just kind of pay that three hundred dollars a month to keep <laughs> keep the truck running or whatever. Yeah, I guess and get ingredients. We, if you go small, that's just the first answer to that. I think is staying well, small. I think
3: that. I think the big difference there is, you know, in in this racket, whatever you want to call it, the thing that most yeah. of us do—creating a podcast or a blog or whatever—trying to build an audience and then create a product out of it. The nature is just that we have a lot of interactions with a lot of people. Um, whereas, if you're a food truck, if you had 50 customers in a day paying you or whatever, you're probably pretty stoked about it, or 100 or whatever it is that yeah. you need. Um, yeah. And in that case, you started with the product, right? You started yeah. with the thing that's for sale. Whereas we're all starting with something that's free, and by nature we're trying to reach thousands of people, and so if some small percentage—if you know—if you have an audience of a hundred thousand people, and one percent of those uh, reach out to you every day, you're buried in email, yeah, um, and you don't have a product yet, and you don't have a way to support yourself and feed your family, and so that's just where. Where I wonder, like, what's the extent of this customer service focus in the beginning, and, and how are you smart about it? Um, and I also wonder about, you know, the philosophy. I think that that I took early on was that I want to be as accessible as I can to as many people as possible, and I want to respond to everyone because I, I saw people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Seth Godin and Chris Gillibeau, um and and Danielle Laporte and others who, you know, I knew that I had emailed. And that they got back to me within like six hours. And I thought, if Seth Godin can respond to me within six hours, I yeah. know that he's doing this for other people. And what does that mean that I have to do? And so I guess I thought that I needed to do that. And so I made myself very accessible, which made a really heavy workload um, just in terms of responding yeah. to people. And I think that that's paid off over time. But I also think that it does, you know, when you start your business being something that you're just offering for free. You put yourself in an interesting position, which is that then you have to nurture that free stuff that you're putting out there. At the same time you're trying to build the thing that people are going to pay you for. Yeah. And it's just it just ends up being a long road. And I, I don't
0: totally know what the is, right answer yeah. is,
1: but it's I a think, tough balance, yeah.
0: I think for a period of time, in some ways, that is the learning process. That that communication with your customers or readers, at that point, they're not even customers. So it's not even customer service at that point. It's more marketing than customer service at yeah. that point. But that is the process of learning. That's the process of digging and understanding your people enough to be able to build the thing that they need and want and serves their goals and dreams. Um, and until you do that, you have to put in the time to learn enough to build the right thing. But once you've built the right thing, you need to do the, the right thing that serves their common denominator or whatever question you're getting asked most often or whatever email you're writing most often. Sometimes that becomes the product. Absolutely. And now you point those same people to that and you yep. say, listen, I have to get paid to be able to do this. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that I have to dedicate more of my time to my paying customers.
2: And so how do you how do you train someone that comes on in a customer support position if you're at a company of 1 or 10 or even 50 and you're building out this customer quote customer support role out how do you infuse them with what your marketing customer support should be There's a it this Joel Sposky article is actually
1: paying paying a little bit of dividends here I'll put it in the show notes it's it's good it's like seven uh, let me pull it up here it's Seven, wait for it, seven steps to remarkable customer service. And it's pretty, it's really good. Um, but one of the things he talks about is whenever you solve a customer support problem, solve it two ways. The first way is the immediate way, like with this specific person. And the second way is make it so it doesn't happen again. It, if you're getting this call because it was unclear about what their expectation should be on this that, and the other, do something to fix that. And even if you have to do that a few times within a few Within a few fixes of doing it two ways, you know, not not just solving it for this person, but then doing something to your system, your product, your program, your your copywriting, whatever, your button, your something, something, whatever it is that makes that that uh, objection or that problem much more clear and uh, up upfront about it. And, it. and it seems like it's like duh, like we all kind of know that. But still, this is one of the Godfathers of software programming. He he knows this. You know, and, and, and we also do, but how often do we just kind of like, instead of setting up a filter or unsubscribing from the email list or setting up a filter or something like that in our Gmail accounts, we just kind of like do it manually for like nine months until we finally, until it finally breaks and you're just like, you know what, I can't even deal with this anymore, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's a balance. And then, and
3: not just, um, there's so many things that you have to balance, you know, and, and we all would love to make customer service the thing, and it probably should be the thing, but then you 're always thinking like, "Well, what about the technology and what about the um, the product creation and everything else that we have to do when you 're a one person company and so i just yeah. I just wonder how far this philosophy should go what other what really tiny businesses do we know that um, that make customer service their number one priority I mean
1: Zappos is always the example that comes up, but obviously. Their company. Well, I, of feel thousands like, of I feel like I feel like making customer service your number one priority is like is is putting the cart before the horse. It's just like no, no. That's what we expect from you. Like, but solve my problem first. Like, I have a thing that I need you to make for me, uh, or that like like I, the, it's interesting as we've been talking. Since we brought up food trucks, like I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. It's like a really great example, at least here in Portland, where there's just billions of food trucks, and they're like crazy. It's like, oh, are you going to go to the Tutu Coffee Lady, or are you going to go to like the uh, the insane organic Hawaiian place, or are you going to go to like Guamanian yeah, the grilled food? cheese place, or, yeah, yeah, the grilled cheese bus that yeah. you eat on the bus? Are you going to go that has like it has grilled cheeses with like manchego cheese and stuff? Like nobody's seen this thing yeah. before. It's amazing, like right, there, and it's craziness. So imagine. Like it's, imagine you get, you do a food truck and you're, you're, you don't know how, you don't come from anywhere. You don't, you're not good at cooking or anything. You just love it and you just want to do something really cool. And so you have to try to create who you are and who your persona is. Imagine that versus like, oh, I'm just making, I just make my mom's beef stroganoff. Like just exactly like she did it. It's the thing I loved so much, and it's just like the food truck is called Mama's Beef Stroganoff. I made your and mom's
3: beef stroganoff once. I
1: know. Well you how many times have you stroganoffed to my mom? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Good way to on the nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but the 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 imagine if you if you had this this one dish that was just like it was in your DNA. The way that there's a thing called the canless salad that's in these kids' DNA that run the restaurant now, they 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 had that every day growing up. Um, And imagine if you had that thing that you had every day growing up and now you're just bringing that to the people. Like saying, unapologetically, like here's what I'm here to provide you with. It's amazing. What is customer service is number one due to that right it it makes that less good right it makes you say like oh now it's not my mom's thing uh now we need it's a little too spicy for most people or for some people or something like that it can make you schizophrenic i think that's why i think customer service is not number one i want you just like i wanted just like that guy being in the documentary battered bastards of baseball just like he had an, an he had a vision for what baseball could be to the point where he's like crying about it getting these guys on board with it yeah right i have a vision for my mom's beef stroganoff that i'm to the point where i'm like it's just it needs to be this way not that way right i i love it when people find their thing that it's like it's a that kind of thing versus versus just like well this could be big looks like this this niche is is uh, is not been exploited very much yeah you know and Uh, maybe i I love that
3: yeah and maybe that's you know you said uh you said this this and this pick two maybe it's like uh, you know, the customer experience can be great. The product itself
1: can be great, or the audience can be huge. Pick two. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, and, and it might be. It might be. I mean, it, it, the truth is, when you're get when you say uh, when you're talking about like the customer, the the nitty gritty of the customer support stuff, it is so tough. And Barrett, you're bang on that. Like that's where that totally can infiltrate back into the, what the product is. I mean, it's as simple as. Uh, the Derek Halpern email trick of any time that someone signs up for your site, send them this email that says, hey, thanks so much for signing up. Uh, quick question for you. What's one thing you're struggling with right now as a food truck owner or as a father or whatever your blog or topic or niche is, right? Um, and for me, for Father Apprentice, that, like I've said a million times, that is – that like I know exactly what I have to make. Like 80% of the respondents say the same exact thing, Right? And now I, I have complete confidence. If we ever wanted to go make that thing, um, same thing with you know with Think Traffic and all this other stuff. When we get, when we do these surveys, when we on a fizzle audience and they we hear back from them, and sixty five percent of them say like, "Oh my gosh, productivity and time management is what I struggle with most." It's like, what really? Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll make some stuff that solves that problem. Um, so the customer support does end up dictating a lot about the product because it tells you what the people are actually struggling with, but. If you're in that situation where it's Mom's beef Stroganoff, it's just a different thing. And I love that unapologetic nature of like how my grandpa was, of how Bing is on the baseball team, of how the beef Stroganoff entrepreneur is. I love I love all these examples that we're developing right now. By the, by the way, I hope they become recurring themes throughout all of the shows from here on. But, uh, I, but, so I don't know. So there's this really, there's this, cause I think what I want more than anything is I want you to be like, I don't, I want you to be committed to what you're putting out there. I want you to, I want this to mean something to you. And then, and that in giving it to me, it makes this moment matter to me. Like Corbett, we've had that, that, sorry, I know I'm talking too long, but I have to tell the dandelion story where you and I, we had just recorded a podcast. We we're in San Francisco and we needed to go take like a 15 minute break. We're like, Hey, let's go get a shot of espresso and and come right back and jump on another podcast and we were just kind of like fatigued and tired and we we walked down and it's like okay nice to be out in the city again in san francisco walking the suns and we go to dandelion coffee this like really great our dandelion chocolate this amazing chocolate place i don't know if i want to call it a factory but it it just it felt like hospitality clicked more than it ever had before because I walk up to the counter and it's this beautiful mahogany wood and all the pastries are laid out and, and merchandised really, really beautifully. And and the the lady behind the counter was just lo- lovely and nice and kind. And they made the espresso that we ordered and it was a great espresso. And it was just this little, it was served in this little nice cup on this little great stoneware with a tiny macaroon or whatever that was. Yeah. Were they Mac or or whatever, Madelines, maybe a tiny Madeline. And they have these like little marshmallows there that are like these artisanal marshmallows you can put in. They're incredible. Right. And little samples of coffee. What they did was they, I real, I felt it. I felt it come over me. Like, like I felt like everything was going to be okay. (laughs) And no, not even that. I felt like everything is okay. Like I felt like a king. In that moment, they made me feel like I am okay. For that moment, I've prepared this place for you. Hey, we're so glad you're here. We've been waiting for you. We've prepared this place for you because you are one of our many customers who has an exciting and interesting life to lead. And you have journeys and dragons to slay and all of these things. And so we've created a a safe place here where we get to geek out on our coffee and and our chocolate for you. Yeah right and that it, it just it meant the world well, that's what i want to be about in fizzle that's what i want to see fizzlers do about with amici and, and brazilian jiu-jitsu it's like hey i know this is a challenge and i know you have a life to lead and you have you have kids and all of this other stuff and this is going to be a part of discovering who you are so i've created a place for you for that's safe you can have your objections you can be worried about this that and the other and we're going to work through them yada 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 i mean I don't know. I, I don't know so, how to get it through, I Yeah, guess. so
3: maybe maybe the answer is not customer service or customer experience for its own sake, but customer experience in the context of the problem you're solving. So a lot of problems, like for example with Canlis, he realized his problem wasn't that people want a hot meal. The problem mm-hmm. is people want to share the most important evening of their lives with yeah. people that matter to them. So yeah. So that's the level that he's operating at. The food truck is operating at the level of people want a hot meal, so the yeah. hot meal better be damn tasty. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it better be quick, and it better have the right utensils. Because and you're it can be an opportunity
1: for just a rather another meal, or it can be an opportunity for like, what is in this beef stroganoff? Right? You know where? Or it's like you hand it over, and it's just basic, you know, g- comfort food. But you say, hey, from my plate, to, from my heart to yours, like welcome to to the food cart, or whatever it ends up being. But just some thing where there's a where there. It's all of a sudden more than just a plate of food. Like, it's like, it comes from you and you are an auteur. You have a story and you're invested in this. And it's, and also it's, it's not a bad idea. You know, it could be simple and it could be human and homely, but, but it can't really, it's not a bad idea. The way that like advertisers would try to get us to buy into bad ideas. Like, Hey, you need this. You're not happy because you don't have this. Like, that's a bad idea. But like having a beef, having a beef stroganoff, that
2: would be a good idea in my world.
3: You're making me hungry for lunch right now. What are you guys
2: hearing over there, Caleb? I mean, I'm basically hearing that customer customer support isn't just replying to people's emails when they have problems. It's figuring out how you can make your customers successful in whatever facet that is. Having a happy meal out to eat with their family or you know, being happy with your product or building a successful business like we're talking about. So it's it's more than just... Solving people's problems, hiring someone to handle more email—it's building the whole customer experience out so that people don't have to email you with complaints and problems and fixing things when they break. You just have to create the experience so that people overall are happy and then accomplish what they want to accomplish when they first find you. Yeah, there's
1: also you make me think of there's also this thing where it's like you're not you're not self-important. Like you don't think you're solving the world's problems. Like you don't believe like there was another documentary I watched called Hey Bartender, which I, I really disliked because they literally yeah, I stopped I stopped like ten minutes it, into that. I was like, was, I think part of it was just like it was made very well, but like the other part was like, No, no. I could see through this. Why isn't anybody calling attention to the fact that you can see through this? These are bartenders. Like this is and it's amazing. Take your craft very seriously. But don't think that you're saving the world. You know, there's like this tone that it didn't balance. You're not very saving well. the world.
3: You're you know, in that case Depending on the, the cocktail, but you, somebody has like something on their mind or they just want to have a good time or whatever, but you're, you're trying to make the next hour for them really great. Or maybe you're trying to set the stage for a really
1: great evening or whatever, but yeah, you're not saving the world. Come on. You're making a cocktail. I think that there's, there's this quote from john jay that i'll that i'll mess up here john jay was a part is a partner at Wyden and kennedy this this older dude this wise and old wizard of creativity um and he says my job is to get into your culture of your business and to tell you the truth about it uh and it's always stuck with me i love i love that idea and i think that what i'm getting at as part of what i'm getting at is getting to the truth about what people want about beef stroganoff or about Cocktails, or bar experiences, or about training and education for entrepreneurial ventures, or about uh, you know just life in general, or about whatever whatever your niche topic thing is. Getting to the truth about what people want about that will make you the best product maker and marketer alive about it. And I think for me, the truth stuff always ends up feeling like something that my grandpa would have said. You know what I mean? And if it was in a, if he was making that cocktail video, if he was a badass bartender, which he kind of is he would say listen let's let's not pull any punches here like like we know you're here just because like your you, life is tough and we like we need booze like humankind has always needed booze we just for some reason the oldest pieces of pottery we have held wine in them and it's just part of our nature we like to get away from this so what i want to do is make that as as wonderful of an experience as possible with the best ingredients and like the kinds of things that i could put in your hand and you go Hot damn, Sam! That is a great cocktail. Thank you, sir. And then you get on with your life and your conversation. Is that what you say um, to your buddy, Sam? <laughs> that's what I say to my buddy, Sam. Exactly. But but I don't know. So so like that's that's what I felt about the hey bartender thing. But yeah. it's like you don't you're not saving the world. You're doing something great, and well, totally. what you're doing is important. There's a difference between important beef stroganoff can be an important meal with someone, and the way the lives people lead are important. But but it's not like to. I don't know. This Some reminds businesses me. make the leap to like beef stroganoff is the key. When well, no, it's not. But it's a great it's a great piece of life.
3: No, and I, th- I think that y- there's a danger on either side. You know, if you misunderstand the scenario, the problem that people have, either you know to the under or to the over. Either you know you you think it's oh it's just a meal when really they're trying to have the most important evening of their lives, or you think you're trying to say- change the world, but really they just want to enjoy themselves for the next hour because they're having a cocktail. Yeah. On either side of that, the experience will fall flat because it doesn't ring true with what you expect out of it. And the person on the other side of that transaction doesn't understand you and what you're trying to have. So that whole experience falls flat. It reminds me of the um, the J. Abraham quote uh, to some degree, which is something like, if you can describe the problem better than your customer yeah. can, they will assume that you have the solution.
1: Yeah, And it describing
3: totally. the problem means understanding... Why they have the problem in the first place, and what they're
1: expecting out of it, and what it means yeah. to them, and what they're heading towards, and that the, that this you know roadblock keeps them from, and all that other stuff. But then the way the way that you talk about those things, the style, uh, like you could talk about it like a self-important bartender, or you could talk about it like Grandpa Dick, you know, and and uh, and the, those the differences between those two, and a million other ways you could talk about it, are a part of what you believe about that truth, as you're saying. It to them. And they either see themselves in that or they don't. You know, and that's what I've learned from yeah, ten years of you know, design and copywriting.
3: You know, you know what it also reminds me of you guys have probably been at these bars lately where they're so uppity they don't have vodka anymore, right? Or yeah. they're so uppity they don't have X, Y, and Z. Like and if you order it or if you bring somebody with you, God forbid, who tries to order something like a that. A vodka soda and you're like you're, a, you're just like ah you're like now we're gonna get yelled at by the bartender. And <laughs> You know, it's like, I understand uh, they're trying to educate people, but why not have it anyway? And be like, sure, you know, I can make you that. Exactly. But I really think that you would enjoy this instead. And here's why we're not big on vodka here,
1: you know, and just and explain like and, and I like, because I, like, I like anything that is a point of view. It's like, okay— don't just say no we don't carry that like say oh we don't actually carry that all of our spirits are inspired by x y and z and so what we have uh is is a long list of 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 gins that i could actually like old tom's a great one to get into if you're the yada 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 uh it'll feel very similar but you'll notice the juniper and then i'm like okay i'm in let's try it you know whereas it's again it's the style with which you go about saying we don't have vodka it's not even that i mean you could say like i don't even have cocktails, but you're a speakeasy. I know. Well, we're into the pre uh, prohibition stuff where there's no booze. Well, and here's, uh,
3: here's where it matters. And Barrett mentioned earlier, he said in that case, whatever we were talking about before, which I don't recall now, he said, customer service is more marketing. Oh, I think it was before you have a product out there. Yeah. Customer yeah. service is more marketing. And in that case, you know, when the bartender berates you um, for trying to order a vodka drink, you uh, create a situation for that person. They leave and, And now they're a negative marketer. They're like, oh, I tried to go to this place and they were so snooty that they were to me about ordering X, Y, and Z. Versus a little education, a little walking somebody through their first experience in a fancy cocktail bar. You know, obviously they've never been to one if they're trying to order that kind of drink. You could have easily converted that someone to not only a lifelong customer, but now just a, a fan of cocktail culture in general, and, um, and so you missed a really huge opportunity there. In fact, I would say those customers that are kind of ignorant are your bigger opportunities because you can really make a big impression on those people in a yeah. short period of time. And this yeah. goes
0: back to the interview from last episode. And Mark made the point about the French waiter who looks down his nose at you when you don't know how to pronounce the names <laughs> of the dishes Yeah. versus – the sommelier who shows up and says, I know you're having an important night. Let me bring you the perfect bottle of wine. And if you're that bartender, you can look at them like they're an idiot and make them leave. Or you can say, I hear what you ordered. Unfortunately, we don't have that here, but let me make you something that you can try that I think you'll love. And now they can find a new drink that they love and you've done something to delight them and make them a raving fan Whereas the other option is they leave and they're offended and they never come back. And I, I think that scenario,
3: the shitty bartender, that all comes back to this lack of a central vision for who our customer is and what we're trying to help them accomplish from the top down and, and infused throughout the organization. And that's why Mark's ideas about when he hires someone, he wants to know how will working at Canlis help you become the person you want to become knowing what Canlis stands for. Um, yeah. And that was a brilliant question, and, and I feel like we have to ask Barrett that again. Um, we're going to put everything on the line, Barrett. And you have to have the right answer to that question. Um, but uh, that, to me, you know, is a sign of when there's a bartender of, there is no philosophy from the top down. They don't know who their customer is. They don't know what they want to, them to experience. They just have a bunch of rules written down, and one of the rules is, yeah. we don't serve vodka, a-hole.
0: Yeah, you know? yep. that's right. And yeah, for me— it- Go ahead, Good.
1: No, you go. Go for you. No, I was just going to
0: say, for for me, what that comes down to for for us at Fizzle is whether you're just coming in the door and you're introducing yourself in the forums or you're emailing angry because you just overdrew your account because you just got billed for your fourth month of Fizzle and you hate us and you want us to cancel is, how can I delight you in either situation? And my job is to make either experience make you walk away and say, wow, those guys at Fizzle, they get it and I'm going to send my friend to them if they're the kind of person who needs what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Barrett, do that. Would you do that for us? Yeah, can you do that? Take care you of Can make that happen? <laughs> hey, what, Caleb, like looking back on all of this, if there's one thing, and I'll ask this of all of you, if there's one thing to take from this whole conversation, what would you say? No pressure, right?
2: Caleb, um, right now, no pressure. Right now, no pressure.
1: 30 seconds from now, pressure.
2: I mean, I would basically stick to... What Canlis does at the restaurant, greet someone at the door with, we've been waiting for you. So figure out how that sentiment can be displayed in your business, whether that's on your website or when someone buys something or when they visit your store or whatever the situation is, you know, act like you've been waiting for this person because really you have, you have built this business, you've created this thing to help people do something, to to serve people, to give them so, some sort of value. And so if you can create that experience, like in Fizzle, we try to do that with just a simple animated GIF when people sign up for Fizzle, like just a little bit of delight to remind people that you're a little bit different. And it just sets the expectation that their experience is going to be different than maybe what they thought it would be when they when they got to your business and they got to your restaurant and they you know, started to work with you one-on-one.
0: Yeah.
2: Barrett, what would you say? One thing my one thing is easy
0: and it's all about orientation to your business and your customers. And it's your customers aren't there to serve your needs. Your job is to serve their needs. And if you take that attitude, I think you have a winning customer service approach. Mm. 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 Sagely. Mm.
1: Though it was a little bit Corbin, wouldn't you say it's a little bit like business speaky? Mm, huh? Yeah. Maybe just it's, a touch. We yeah, got like it's still that's still like the hardcover book version of it, Barrett. We'll wait till the we want so the graphic like, novel version. I want the graphic novel. I was just
3: going oh, to say, I
1: was like, call me when you're writing business books with pictures.
3: Yeah. Uh, Corbett, what would you say? Um, I was really struck by uh, something that Mark Canless said yesterday, or not yesterday, but in the, uh, in the prior week's episode. In the interview with him, when you asked him what is it that sets Canlis apart and makes it a special place, he said that. It all comes down to the fact that they have a deep understanding of people, of other people. Mm. Um, and I think that's where it all has to come from. Your answer doesn't need yeah. to be that we're trying to have the greatest customer support ever. Um, your answer needs to be that you understand why someone is coming to you to solve their problem
1: and build the customer experience around that. Mm. I like that. Yeah, i I think finally for me, there's the, the last one on Joel Spolsky's seven, you know, way, seven tips for excellent customer service or something like that. It was really simple and it really struck me. It said, number seven, greed will get you nowhere. And I just, I think if there's one thing that kind of feels like it's sort of the red thread going through all of these, mm. it's this idea of like exp- this expansiveness that we can bring to our business, this generosity that we could bring to the people who are living real lives. If we can get out of our like the bartenders, what's so what's so can be so horrible about them is that they're wrapped up in themselves and their culture. And if you're not listening to the bands that they're listening to, then you're nobody, right? Because all of their friends and all the people that they look up to and that the people that they want to be held in high esteem by are those kinds of people. And then they run then they run their bars that way, or they 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 work behind the bar that way. Um, And the other way is to say, "I've prepared a place for you. Like I'm so happy you're here." Welcome, right? And I just—if our businesses could start with that and in that expansiveness of spirit, the gratitude instead of the greed of well, if we send these shirts out overnight, it's going to cost us like an extra four hundred bucks for this guy. Are we sure it's worth it. I mean, if we did that for everybody, can you imagine? I mean, we wouldn't have any money. I mean, so we just can't as a policy. We just can't do that. Uh, you know, it—it it, there that is. We are so capable of having that conversation, even here at Fizzle, right? We've done, we've had that conversation before, right? Uh, Because life just, I don't know, we're trained to be greedy about the air and about the food on the plate and about whatever. And so it takes so much work to try not to be. And I guess for me, that's like the whole like, okay, go sit in the corner and meditate on on, on trying not to be greedy for like 45 minutes. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corvette Barr.
0: I've been (laughs) Logic, And I've been Baird Brooks.
1: Wow, you guys, what that, that all just like... We're like professionals. That like is amazing professionalism all four of us saying our names that way and we knew when to do it we should teach people how to do that i mean we no wonder we're such amazing podcasters is we know how to say our names at the right time it's
0: like magic it's the key to everything
1: it, <laughs> it's the secret to success you're right you're right i did meet that one sage i was like what is the key to everything he said magic <laughs> give me another vodka it is to say oh, wardman v- in the <laughs> exactly So there you have it. FizzleShow.co slash 67 is where you can go to find notes, some links, and some conversation about this episode, including a a link to that 7 Steps to Remarkable Customer Service thing that I kept mentioning, that article from Joel Spolsky. That's F-I-Z-Z-L-E Show.co slash 67. Here's an iTunes review from Heather Crack. In the United Kingdom, she says, There's just so much personality, energy, and fun in each of these episodes. It's the highlight of my week listening in, and I love Chase's rambles. Thank you, Heather. Caleb's wash bombs, and how Corbett runs around trying to tie things together, making sense of the tangents. Priceless. Thank you so much, Heather. Uh, Listen, you could maybe leave us an iTunes review as well if you'd be into that sort of thing uh, if you could figure it out, we'd really love it we'd love to hear what you think, do so honestly and let us know, add your voice come on, people are talking, get in there and also, we need some new intros you guys, we need, remember those things when we say like and if these three were chocolates, Corbett would be dark chocolate, sophisticated and bright, Caleb would be milk chocolate, creamy and smooth, and Chase would be a chocolate lab, the dog Hungry and eager. Those things. We need those. We need you to send more of those in because they're amazing. You can add those in your iTunes review. And now all over the world, we can see the iTunes reviews. And I'd love to see you add yours there because, uh, well, we needed some, frankly. And, and you people are amazing at coming up with them. I love them. Goodness gracious. Okay. No matter how hot it gets or how hard it gets, you will do your thing. You're already on your way. Thanks, and talk to you next Fizzle Friday.